0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Passport to Thrive podcast. Today we have a special guest for the A Shot of Espresso with Jan Marie. That's my series. So today's guest is Gina Ballerin. She is from Australia. She is a TEDx speaker, she is a communication expert, and also the author of The Secret Army. So stay tuned to listen to my interview, A Shot of Espresso, with Gina Ballerin.
1: Gentlemen marie it's such a pleasure to be here with you. I have my okay. espresso, even though I'm not normally an espresso drinker. But for you, I made an exception.
0: Yes. So I, it's, I'm in New York time. It's 8 p.m. and I have water in my espresso cup. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, whatever, it looks cute. And I'm going to need some water. So if you're here, I would love to know um, if you just comment, if you comment an espresso emoji and let us know that everything is working because we need the help. (laughs) Okay, so starting off with some questions. Gina, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know like what you do for your work, tell us about your book, your TEDx talk, kind of like, let's go into
1: this. So hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to my very first LinkedIn Live. It's a pleasure to be here with Diane Marie and to have all of you here in the audience. I know there are friends, if you've been patient enough to wait for us, who are listening in and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm Gina Ballerin or Gina Ballerina, as a lot of people know. (laughs) I love it. Um, I did a TEDx talk a few years ago, which is still my passion because I'm a marketer. I'm a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing, a fellow of the Australian Marketing Institute, and I've got a whole bunch of other qualifications that we don't need to talk about because what we're talking about today is communication and making people come alive. And there's this sneaky little book that we want to talk about called The Secret Army, Leadership, Marketing, and the Power of People. And the funny thing is that even though I wrote that a few years ago, I am now finding that the lessons in here are more relevant than ever which is about making sure the workplaces make people come alive. So what do I do? On a day-to-day basis, you will find me coaching people, helping inspire people, and most importantly, helping people communicate. And that means that I write B2B marketing content, but my favorite, the intersection of everything, is helping C-level executives stand on stage and perform to a TEDx level, quality in front of their audience so that people feel compelled by what they're saying. And that's what makes me come alive. Storytelling and helping other people tell their stories. I love it. I'm all about
0: storytelling. I feel like we all have like, you know, like different stories, different perspectives and different experiences that ultimately shape us like who we are, what we do, and what we stand for. And that's why I was so excited to have Gina on. And it's funny because she's all the way in Australia, I'm in New York, and we connected via LinkedIn and we hit it off right away. And I was so excited to have her on my live. And this is also going to get pushed out to my podcast, Passport to Thrive. So I'm just excited to just be on with her and doing this. So Gina, can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind your book and kind of like what the readers will gain after they read your book?
1: I had worked for many years in organizations where marketing didn't seem to be able to make a difference. That is an indication for me, not the fact that people don't take marketing seriously, which sadly is true, but the fact that entrepreneurs... Entrepreneurs, people who think like an entrepreneur, but work inside an organization don't actually have the ability to come alive in an organization. And that really was the inspiration for the book. The fact that within an organization, you have three different groups of people. You've got a secret army, if you will. So there are leaders and there are followers and there are customers. But the question is, Are they all in alignment? Do you really know what you want your people to do? And the secret army is actually the fact that your customers are part of your tribe. Now, anyone who knows customer experience understands this deeply. But for me, the intersection of marketing and humanity is about making sure that people come alive when their problems are solved and when you help them solve those problems. So it's about leadership. And what you'll get when you read it is That essence of the fact that we can be self-leaders, but that you don't have to have leader in your title. You don't have to have manager in your title to be able to lead and inspire people. Of course, it's about marketing. I've got a lot of marketing experience, but it's mostly about the power of people. Now, if you're not in an organization, if you work for yourself, remember that the power of people isn't just you. And the team of people that you employ. It's every single person who touches you. And that's why it's such a pleasure to speak with you, Diane, because we are connected. We have this ability to have a secret army surrounding us right now.
0: I love that. And I think like, being a leader can be in like so many different ways. Like I always think like, even when I'm at the gym, like you never know, like you could be inspiring like the person next to you to even do a little bit more weight, a little bit more, you know, more reps, like you just don't know when like, you have different ways to ultimately be a leader. And to just inspire people so I love that that you said that leadership you don't need to have this manager title this manager role like you can be a leader in many different ways and I just I love that and I really connect with that and resonate with that um give it. We- We have some people from Florida. Um, Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, type in the chat where you're tuning in from. I would love to know. Okay, women are storytellers and the keeper of the culture. Absolutely. Yes, women are natural born storytellers. I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I feel like women make great marketers too.
1: I agree, but I think that they don't have the sole ability to tell stories. My father, who passed away last year and who I miss terribly, was the most wonderful storyteller. He had the ability to wrap people around his little finger. And you really wanted to know what happened. And he could make the most ordinary or mundane experience into a story. And I think that is a talent that, yes, women have. But let's not forget that men have the ability to, if they decide, to connect to those emotions and to share those emotions. Because storytelling isn't just about, you know, getting from this happened and then this happened to the end, right? Storytelling is actually about how you draw people in, how you make them want to know what's going to happen next. It's about the anticipation.
0: I love that. So someone just wrote, I have Beth Lambert. She just said, I'm sure... I'm inspired by intergenerational connections and what they lead to. And I think that's a very interesting point because I think everyone can, at the end of the day, learn from everybody else. So, and it doesn't matter if you're um, whatever generation, I think we can all learn from each other and I love that. Thank you for making that point, Beth. Okay, so making the connections, love it. Thank you for everybody that's been participating in the chat, I love this. Um, so once again, I'm here with Gina and she's also did a TEDx talk, which I was super inspired by. I loved her TEDx talk and I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that. Kind of like, can you just share the main idea or the theme behind your TEDx talk? Um, so then everyone can know what it was
1: about. So the original title of the TEDx talk was why now is the best time in history to be in marketing. And here's a spoiler alert. The idea was that we have more ability to connect with people than we ever had before. Thanks, social media. Now we have the ability to measure how well we're doing than ever before. Thank you, connections and, and, and analytics. But at the Last minute, while I was standing on stage, my husband had an idea that he shared with me, and I said, Should I do this? Now, I'm a kind of brave person, so I figured I'd give it a go. And they end up, in the end, the title was Confessions of a Liar Marketing in the Era of Authenticity. Now, if you watch the, the session, you'll know that actually I'm not a liar. The point yeah, was that I didn't want to be not a in my. <laughs> Be in marketing because my perception of marketing was that marketers are liars. In fact, Seth Godin wrote a book called All Marketers Are Liars and he crossed it out. It's
0: a fantastic book for marketing, actually.
1: Absolutely. But he actually changed that to All Marketers Tell Stories. And the fact is that in the TEDx talk, I talk about how important it is to, to market right to market from your heart, to market from your soul. And the fact that everyone actually does marketing, whether we like it or not, whether you're trying to get your, convince your kids to go to bed at a certain time or persuade your partner to see a movie that he or she doesn't really want to see, you are doing selling and you are doing marketing. And that is why I think the TEDx talk resonates with people somehow.
0: Yeah, of course. I feel like marketing and sales are such like skills that like you can use them um between industries and like it's good to have and I do agree like social media completely changed the game of marketing and at the end of the day like if it wasn't for social media like me and you wouldn't even have connected absolutely Uh, thank you to LinkedIn thank you to social media for bringing us together, because back in the day, it was very hard for two women across the globe to ever (laughs) connect. So if it wasn't for social media, and like the power of connection, like, none of us would be here right now. So there is something special to be said about that. And it's definitely something cool that I love about social media. It's It gave everybody like a platform to connect, to kind of share their ideas. And back in the day, I feel like unless like you were a celebrity or you were someone that was already famous, it was very hard to get your point across very hard for you to kind of, you know, use you know, like be able to be heard with social media. I feel like it play it leveled out the playing field, and it allows people, like everyday people, to have a voice on the platform and share their opinions, share their values, and their experiences.
1: You could also get the attention of people if you had a lot of money, or a lot of influence, yeah, of or a lot of power, or a lot of people in your pockets. But marketing has changed significantly. I
0: always say that. That's why, like, as as much as there's a lot of negative beliefs around social media, which I can understand, um, I definitely always try to look at the positive side of things, and it has opened, you know, a lot of doors for me, and it has allowed me to connect with a lot of really cool people, and it has allowed me to start my business, and I don't think any of that would have been possible without social media.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. Moving on. Okay. Uh, What What were just some key challenges you faced when you were preparing for your TEDx talk and how did you overcome them? I would be so nervous if I had to do a TEDx talk. Uh, I mean, we, I was nervous to do this.
1: (laughs) You're not alone. Nerves are natural. The question is whether you get enabling nerves, which allow you to perform better, or debilitating nerves, which can be really destructive and hurtful. How did I prepare for the TEDx talk? Quite frankly, the answer lies in the repetition of one word, practice, practice, practice. But during the process, I discovered some really important things. Now, I've been doing professional speaking for many years, and uh, even as an amateur, you would catch me up on stage and I'd have something to say at the drop of a hat. (laughs) <laughs> but what I hadn't realized is that my performance was actually being detracted from by the use of my hands. Now, my husband jokes that I can't talk without my hands. In fact, sometimes he asks me to sit on my hands and communicate, and I tell you what—it's hard. It's really oh, I hard. Oh my I'm Italian.
0: We talk with our hands over here.
1: <laughs> but what I discovered during the TEDx rehearsal process—and to be honest, there were nearly fifty hours of rehearsal. But to do a one 17-minute presentation. It was a lot of work. But during that process, I always realized I also realized that like any other speaker, we have skills and strengths and weaknesses. And one of my weaknesses was the ability to remember the connections between things. It was such a pleasure to coach someone recently on what he was doing on stage. To take an executive who was delivering a message that was fairly standard and help him deliver to a TEDx level quality. And he found exactly the same thing as I did. You can have a message, but to connect between slide one and two and three, you have to be able to know the flow between those as well. And so it's been such a pleasure to pass on my knowledge and experience from actually doing that TEDx talk and knowing how to learn the tips and tricks that can help you present brilliantly even if you're squirming and dying of nerves inside
0: yeah so i think it's it's amazing that you were also like able to you know like train someone and help someone out and and not just like do your own TEDx talk, but you were able to use your skills to really like help someone else out. Because like, again, if that was me, I would be so nervous to be doing this. And I would want someone like you who's been there and has kind of like had this experience to kind of like walk me through that. Um, so, and I I can see why practice is definitely the best way to go about it just because I feel like at the end of the day, like knowledge is power and like you feel more comfortable when you do something like more and more.
1: There is a fear factor as well. It isn't just about knowledge that makes practice easier. I think that we're all afraid of something. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a beautiful quote that I love telling people about. It's courage like a muscle is strengthened by use. So practice makes that courage stronger because the more you practice, the more you strengthen that muscle. But the same applies whether you're giving a presentation or doing anything that you haven't done for the first time. The more you practice, the easier it is. In fact, Gary Player, who was a famous South African golfer many years ago, said, the more I practice, the luckier I get.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I feel like that's with anything like even like going back to social media, like the more you do videos, the more you exactly. post, the more you kind of yeah. share, like the easier it does get. Um, and that's always like something that I say. I'm like, it's one of those things that like there's no practicing to getting better. You just kind of have to do it. And then you you know, it does get better and easier by doing it just because you're building that courage muscle, like you mentioned. Okay um so why don't you share with us some future plans in terms of writing speaking engagements kind of like what do you have going on give us a sneak peek on some upcoming exciting projects
1: well first let me say that it's not just about what's happening in the future but it's about what one's doing now to prepare for the future and if i may address a question here that is actually really relevant to a lot of the stuff i talk about Mm -hmm. this fear factor often prevents people from being able to make the future into reality today. And so while I'll tell you about what I'm doing in future in in just a few minutes, what's really exciting me, and this is a bit of a big confession, so you heard it first here. Yes, I love this. I am a marketer with many years' experience, but I'm really not great at doing my own marketing. And a lot of people suffer from that challenge because Mm -hmm. we think that that... We give all of that energy away. Someone else pays us to do that for them. So how? why should we justify doing that for ourselves? And one of the most exciting things for me at the moment is that I have stepped into a place where I not only trust that I'm doing my own marketing well, and by the way, I've had confirmation over Mm -hmm. many years that doing marketing for other people works very well, that I know exactly what I'm doing. You wouldn't get the kind of experience and qualifications if you didn't know what you're doing. And yet there's this small, still voice in my head that still tells me that I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's listening in, who's ever had imposter syndrome, or who's ever felt like they're not good enough, raise your hands virtually or otherwise, because you'll know. You'll know what I'm feeling about. In fact, I'm raising (laughs) my hands. (laughs) I saw something, a video actually, with Russell Brand the other day. And you know you wouldn't think that Russell Brand suffers from imposter syndrome, but absolutely he does. And so if someone with one of the biggest, craziest, loudest personalities you've ever seen suffers from imposter syndrome, then you kind of know that a lot of us do. And even if it's not diagnosed as imposter syndrome, even if you just feel like someone is telling you you're not good enough, here's a lesson for you. When yeah, you no, test out, very true. when you test out what you can do in reality. And you get validation of that testing out, like me, setting up a marketing strategy for my own business and going, I don't know if this is right, but I wanna give it a try. All of a sudden, something happened that made me realize, in fact, I do know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it was thanks to, believe it or not, ChatGPT.
0: Interesting. How funny is that, right? So- How, is, uh, how did ChatGPT help you? I'm well, curious. let me tell
1: you. Mm-hmm. My husband said to me, Gina, If you're having this challenge, just first, before you do anything else, just ask ChatGPT. And a friend of mine, Jordan, who may be listening in today, said, oh, I created my own marketing plan using ChatGPT. I said, fantastic. Share it with me. I want to know. And I went on and I did my own plan and I looked at his plan and I realized that with a few differences, subtle, of course, because we're in different markets and we serve different audiences, the plans were almost identical. Why? Why? Because while ChatGPT has absorbed enormous amounts of information, Mm -hmm. and it can put that information back based Mm -hmm. on the triggers that you give it, it is, at the end of the day, a bot. Mm -hmm. But what it did is it gave me confidence. Yep. Because it came back to me and it said, in order to do your marketing, you need to do A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, hang on. I'm already doing A, B, C. Yeah, like I already know that. (laughs) And D, this is not news to me. Mm Mm-hmm. But that combined with some conversations I've had with really authentic people who've helped me unlock the stuff that's blocking me up from being and feeling extraordinary, as we all are, made me realize that in fact, not only do I know what I'm talking about, but now I know that Mm -hmm. I know what I'm talking about. And that is what makes the biggest difference. That confidence and conviction that sits in your stomach. Now, let's Talk about the stomach briefly, like when you are engaged with people, when you're you're talking to them, you can either talk from your throat, in which case your voice can sound a little bit like this, or you can talk from your gut, in which case your voice can be more deep and resonant and throaty. And when you get butterflies, something happens in between and often there can be a disconnection. You can find yourself squeaking when actually you want to be deep and resonant. But what happens when you know something for sure? it also touches your gut yeah, and something shifts. And that is really, when we come back to it, the difference between okay marketing that might touch people's heads or that might make them go, oh, that's interesting and truly gut-wrenchingly beautiful marketing, which touches people's hearts and their souls. Yeah.
0: And no, that I, I think it. is
1: where storytelling comes in. If you have customers and you have happy customers, Capture those stories and share them everywhere, please. That is a tip I'll share, no matter how big your organization is. Whether you're just a solopreneur or whether you're running tens of thousands of people, those customer stories are incredibly compelling. Which leads me on to the next things that I'm doing, which is exciting coming up. In a few months, I'll be presenting with the Australian Marketing Institute about B2B marketing and the power of customer storytelling.
0: Love it. So that's coming up.
1: I've been doing a lot of judging for various awards around the world. And I I can tell you that while it's fun to judge some awards, judging three awards for three different continents simultaneously, the US, the UK and Australia has been a little bit stressful. So I wouldn't recommend doing all three at the same time in future. (laughs) Sounds like a lot. (laughs) And in conversation and preparation, you said to me, well, what have you got coming up? Have you got some speaking gigs coming up? I said, yeah, there's nothing on the agenda, but I had a conversation with someone yesterday and I'm pretty confident that I'll be speaking at a content marketing specific conference in a few months time. So I'll keep sharing about that. Please look out for that, people. It's going to be great fun. But in the meantime, more and more and more podcasting. So if you know anyone who wants someone inspirational to talk about whatever it is that they have relating to storytelling or marketing or simply the people who make you come alive, you know where I am.
0: I love it. I love it. All great stuff. And I just I love everything that you said. I'm so excited to be posting this also on my podcast. I think this is perfect. My podcast for anybody that's live, it's called Passport to Thrive. It's all about entrepreneurship, mindset, marketing, all about like, connections and stories. So that's why I felt like Gina was the perfect person to have on my podcast. And I think it's, it's all wonderful. And Does anybody in the audience have any questions for us? Let me see. I feel like we got more comments. Inner critic is your worst enemy. Yes, always. I always say that I am my worst critic. Um, Working on that. (laughs) The marketing of marketing of oneself always. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. All right, let's see if anybody else has any other questions. There's just a little bit of delay here.
1: So. so there was a lovely question that we talked about previously, which I don't think we got a chance to answer today, which is are yeah. there any themes that connect the TEDx talk that I did, which is about marketing in the era of authenticity, and the book that I wrote, which is about yeah. leadership marketing and the power of people. And I find that actually what resonates is that this secret army of supporters applies in both contexts. In marketing, your customers are in fact a secret army of supporters. If you're not leveraging their stories to your audience and beyond, Mm -hmm. you're missing that trick. But in your personal life, it's also very easy to forget that there are supporters all around you. A few years ago, I went through a a small session with someone who understands um, neuro-linguistic programming, Mm -hmm. NLP. And one of the exercises he suggested to me is he said, if you don't feel like you've got support, Gina, I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you were on stage. And, and what happens? He said, what happens in front of you? So I can picture the audience. I've been on stages where I've had you know hundreds, thousands of people in front of me. He said, who's behind you? And I realized that every single person I've ever had a positive interaction with. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of people who I've had negative interactions with and learned from we're standing behind me. I love and that.
0: Yeah. That is that. my secret army. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. We often think about like who we're speaking to, who we're speaking to, but like like you said, like who's behind you? You know, it's a very interesting um message, you know.
1: What happened with every single one of those people standing behind me is I could feel them encouraging me. I could feel them. Literally, they had my back, right? Yeah. And it's so easy when you feel alone or you feel downhearted to imagine that no one's got your back, to think that you exist in isolation. But I have a secret for you. Every single person touches another person somehow. Whether you're walking yeah. down the street and you see someone and you smile at them or yeah. whether you're interacting with a cashier who says, mm-hmm. Thank you. You have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to make a difference in their lives or not make a difference in their lives.
0: I agree. I feel like I've gotten that a couple of times. Um, And I think it's cool because like, even like, you know, you remember random conversation that you had with people and like, maybe they don't remember it, but you don't like you remember it very well. And like, you got something from that. It's, you know, and I always say, like, I love those random conversations that, you know, didn't You know, you weren't expecting to be like life lesson moments, but till this day, like you remember them because it was just how someone said it. And it was just like also like the moment, the time that it happened and it just resonated with you. But it's true. We all can make someone's day better without even knowing.
1: Couldn't agree more. One of the blessings about being able to coach people is the fact that I get the opportunity to really drill drill deep into their psyche and to help people understand what it is that's preventing them from being extraordinary. They give me permission to access a part of themselves that they don't necessarily let a lot of other people touch. And that is amazing. But what's even more amazing is when you sometimes somehow do that with someone you didn't even realize. Mm -hmm. I got a message on LinkedIn the other day from a fellow who's been sober for, I think, six years. And he said, and he tagged me in his post and he said, thank you so much, Gina, for your support. Now, I remember meeting him a few years ago. I remember having conversations with him. I don't remember doing anything that had any relation to his sobriety. And yet, somehow, I had made a moment that was influential enough for him to say six years later, thank you for making a difference. And so maybe here's another tip we can leave for you. Yeah, here's another tip we can leave for your audience, which is to say, if someone has touched you, in a way that has influenced your Mm -hmm. life please reach out to them and say thank you. Yes. It makes such a difference. I always say
0: that like it's what good is it if you can't share like how you feel about someone like you know like if you if you like love someone or someone has helped you in any way like you should let them know because then that also like inspires them to keep doing more because you're thinking wow I did this and I didn't even know what I was doing and I ended up really helping out someone. So maybe I should do this more often and I could also help out other people. Uh, You know, like it's just, it creates like a snowball effect.
1: There's one last point, I think, that came from the intersection of thinking about marketing in the era of authenticity and the secret army leadership marketing and the Mm -hmm. power of people. And it's not marketing, even though that is the thing you'd think that connects the two. Mm -hmm. It is in fact authenticity. And this is why I think there is a tendency for people to engage with more vulnerable stories. That's why I love sharing stories from my personal experience mm-hmm. because they're totally true. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk about in- authenticity like this if you mm-hmm. cut someone down the middle, what falls out? Is it more of them, or do you see what lies beneath the facade? And I think we're moving into the era of authenticity where yes. people are encouraged to share more of themselves, but yes. that has a reverse effect. Mm-hmm. The more we share of ourselves, the more we encourage other people to connect with us emotionally based on who we really are, not who we pretend Absolutely. to be.
0: And every time I, I share something a little bit more personal about like my story, um, for those who don't know me, I immigrated from Italy when I was nine, my mom raised me as a single parent. So every time I kind of tell that story, I always get messages from people who I don't even know, saying like, Oh, I did like, you know, I can relate to this, we have a very similar story, or, I, you know, like just something about that. And I feel like that's how you ultimately make deeper connections, instead of just kind of like, what I call a surface level marketing or just like being surface level in content. So that's why like, I love sharing also like that story-driven content and just, you know, let's connect at a deeper level.
1: If I can connect that to B2B marketing for a second, I'm going to go back to case studies. Mm-hmm. When you think about a case study is actually an opportunity to tell the story of the journey that the customer went through with you. And I can say I've written many case studies over many years, but the most powerful ones are the ones where people actually admit that things went wrong during the process. In yeah. marketing terms, there's something called the ladder of loyalty. And what happens mm-hmm. is as you become more and more committed to a brand, you step up those levels in the ladder of mm-hmm. loyalty. What happens at the top is that you're an advocate. You love this thing so much you would talk about it even if no one asked mm-hmm. you to. What happens when customers' stories are authentic They actually have admitted that things have gone wrong during that climb up Mm -hmm. the ladder. And here's the really interesting thing. If you think that your customer relationship has gone bad and you do nothing to fix it, you lose a customer. If you do something to fix it and the customer relationship emerges stronger than it was before, you actually evolve them up that ladder Mm -hmm. of loyalty. And so, the strongest customer stories are those where we are authentic in the way we tell those stories. To say that, you know what, things weren't always perfect. There were bumps along the road. We got things wrong. We made mistakes, but we fixed them. And I think that is a testimony to relationships in any shape or form. It will get hard, but that's not what matters. What matters is what happens after it's been hard. And I think that's a lesson you can apply to customer stories. It's a lesson you can apply to marketing and it's a lesson you can apply to your personal life. When the going gets hard with people, don't put the accusations in there, rather try and figure out how can we make this better? And I think that philosophy will take you further forward than anything else.
0: I love that. And also when you have like, when you're so committed to your brand story and your values, customers start also being kind of like cheerleaders for you and they start to basically embody your values and your story because they want to see you succeed because they resonate with your values so they almost become like ambassadors with your brand but accidentally just because they feel like they know you they know what you stand for they know your values and to me that's so powerful because if everybody like did this like i feel like everyone would just it would just be like such a positive environment overall
1: that was absolutely beautiful and i think you've summarized it perfectly thank you are there any lessons we should leave our audience with today i think we've uh, taken up about half an hour of their time and i want to make sure that we
0: i thought this was going to be like a 15 minute thing but I we ended up talking for more. Um, let me see if there's some questions. What resources would you re- would you what resources would you recommend to know about the best leverage customer responses? Read that question again,
1: please. What right. resources would you recommend?
0: What resources would would you recommend to know about best about the best leverage customer responses?
1: Ah, that's a great question. Um, Honestly, the best way to get your customers' response is to ask them. Uh, Quantitative or qualitative surveys are great. Uh, Quantitative being, of course, the numbers. So if you have enough customers, you can ask them questions that are anonymous. And you can say, for example, rate this thing from 1 to 10. And -hmm. you get enough customers and you get an aggregate and you can tell how well you're doing. Qualitative surveys are, of course, asking about the quality of a response. So if you only have a handful of customers, then my recommendation would be if you want to step away and you don't want to ask them yourself, send them a survey. Like even SurveyMonkey can, I think, still give you free surveys where you can put in a bunch of questions and say, hey, customer, please, will you answer those? But in all honesty, the best way to know what your customers are thinking is to have a conversation with them. And if you're a little bit nervous about having that conversation with them, ask someone else to do it for you. Often there's a value in stepping away. That's why I do a lot of work as a consultant with businesses where they don't necessarily want their customers to feel imposed upon because as much as authenticity is important, so is truth. And sometimes customers feel uncomfortable telling the whole truth to someone that they really might want to say, you know, what things haven't been entirely okay. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to ask that, ask so use surveys, use research, and use in-depth questionnaires. And then also consider getting someone else in to help ask those awkward or uncomfortable questions, just to give yourself distance from the source. I hope that answers the question. I hope that helps the audience member. If you yeah, got any I follow-ups, that's great. please let me know. I
0: think to do like the definitely by asking them. The other thing I just wanted to add, I think even you can leverage social media yeah. and doing polls on maybe like Instagram stories or ask ask your audience kind of like, what do you think of this? It also allows Absolutely. them to feel like you're part of your brand and you're keeping yep. them engaged and you're also gaining really good insights. So even something simple like that can be beneficial. I think, I mean, I love the polls on Instagram and I think a lot of people do. That's why they're very um, successful, but that's just like another idea of how you can find out what people are looking for. Okay, if no one else has any question, Okay, I think she just typed something else. I mean, what do you do with the responses once you have them?
1: Oh, that's a beautiful question. It depends how many responses you have. If you have the numbers, then you can look at those. And you probably want to have a benchmark, so an idea of what are the expectations. And if you can't find benchmarks, ask Google. It's amazing how many benchmarks are actually out there, depending no matter what industry you're in or how big your business is. You can do some searching and find that. And then you can look at the benchmark and go, did I perform above or below, and then ask further questions. How else do you analyze it? Well, the beautiful thing about qualitative research, which it gives you a lot of data, is that if you read it really, really carefully, you can analyze it and actually discover the hidden nuggets. So a few years ago, I did research for my master's degree on management communication. And I was looking at what are the good and bad parts of communication at a university in South Africa. And the responses came back in massive detail. I had tens of thousands of words to analyze. And I literally picked up a whole bunch of highlighters and I went through the good old printed documents. Of course you can do it virtually these days with different color, you know, fonts and whatnot. But I found that when you read it through carefully, you start seeing the themes emerge. So, for example, there was one about freedom of communication, how open were people. There was one about frequency of communication. There was one about um, the the ability of the managers to give Mm -hmm. people autonomy and all of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So if you do the research and you find that you've actually got a lot of information, too much information, take your time to put it in a separate format to the way that you collected it and really let your brain go crazy and let your highlighters go crazy too and you'll probably find that A collected bunch of information is giving you more insight than you thought it was at first. And if you struggle with that, ask someone who can see the wood for the trees to help you. Because I realize it's not always easy if you're reading the same stuff you've always read before.
0: Okay. Thank you, Gina, for being on Passport of Thrive. Where can people find you on LinkedIn, other social media? Where can people interact with you?
1: The best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, That's my favorite platform of interaction. Uh, You can also check out my website, verbalistics.com.au. That's verbalistics with two L's. Or um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. But I tend to hang out on LinkedIn because it's a professional platform. And I'm not really good at imagery. (laughs) So reach out to me there. But of course, uh, if you've seen anything that you're really interested in, um, there is a newsletter that you can subscribe to on Verbalistics. And I encourage you to do that. It's always a, a sense of optimism with a little bit of marketing and some general life advice.
0: Great. Thank you for being on, Gina. Thank you for having me.